Berkey. Now Royce, it's Axel Witzel, and it's a last gasp equaliser for Borussia Dortmund by Axel Witzel. Oh. Sancho, who goes past, and oh. Royce has sealed it for Dortmund at the death. Marco Royce has had chances galore this evening, but when it really mattered, in the very last minute, he has broken for its heart. Yes, it was quite dramatic and good. And with that, hello and welcome to episode 244 of the Yellow World Pod. I'm, as always, your host, Stefan Butzko, and I'm joined for uh, two summer, I guess, by Konstantin Eckner. Hello, Konstantin. How are you doing? Hi, Stefan. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well myself. Thank you very much. The uh, press catering today was uh, much better than usual at the Westfalenstadion because they had the uh, so-called Bilanz press conference where they talked about all the financial numbers. Um, I don't know if we'll find the time to uh, discuss those on, on this show. If not, I think we'll do that next week. It's it's nothing all too urgent, um, but uh, nevertheless, it's interesting. But um, yeah, as uh, listeners could already hear in the intro, we are here, of course, to dissect Borussia Dortmund's um, cup win, <laughs> their great escape uh, against Kräuterfurt, and of course preview the first Bundesliga game which will take place at the Westfalenstadion on Sunday night, 6pm kickoff Central European summertime. So with that, um, as already established pre-port, we have the perfect export for at least the Leipzig game because uh, Konstantin, of course, uh, lived a long time close by and uh, regularly featured over there in Leipzig. So he is uh, very intimate with that club. But before we talk about Leipzig, of course, um, Konstantin, what were your takeaways from Kreuzer Fürth? Uh, that's the question. All right. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for something. You know, I was waiting. Uh, yeah, just, I know. Usually uh, there's like a long appendix. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, I the, the, I there's like a little pause, and then that. there's the second part of the question. But I wasn't anything. Uh, so I was just hanging high and dry. Uh, yeah. Well, the third match. Um, actually, it went the way it could have been expected, at least because uh, these matches against. Um, the the better uh, second or third Bundesliga sides are uh, pretty tough because, as you could see, against third, uh, I mean, third was capable of defending and they weren't committing any major mistakes. So uh, there wasn't really a big opening for Dortmund to, to just score a goal early on and then go from there. Um, so it was dragging and dragging and dragging and then it can become ugly because, um, you know, one mistake. Um, by Dortmund and the underdog is up 1-0. And that actually happened. So, um, yeah, I mean, you could see to some extent that uh, Farfer is still working on how to set up the build-up play, um, how really to move the ball downfield that, that isn't really... Um, they are not at, at uh, a point where they are, they are comfortable um, moving the ball out of the back and then really having this... As you often mention, automatisms, uh, to get something going. That's not really what's, uh, how it, how it looks right now. So, 
Um, then I don't know if he, if, if Fafer did the right thing by, uh, moving Götze higher up, um, and basically playing, um, him alongside Royce in whatever you want to call it, four, four, two, four or something, uh, which means that Götze really played a secondary striker, not, um, attacking midfielder, um, because during preseason he did that. Um, uh, he and Dahoud were the two attacking midfielders. Um, with one behind them, you know, in that match it was, uh, Thomas Delaney started and later Axel Witzler came on. Um, but Dahoud played basically the second holding midfielder, was really involved in build up plays, was positioned deep all the time and Götze was high up the pitch and uh, was pretty much lost there. Um, he even played higher than Royce in, in, uh, you know, some, in, um, some phases of the game. So yeah, that wasn't really the right thing, I guess. Um, and the entire center forward situation is still unfolding, I guess, or uh, some recent developments on the transfer market or um, some expected developments on the transfer market. Uh, but you could really see that uh, Farfer is not really sure what to do right now uh, with the personnel he has. I mean, he left uh, Maximian Philip out, um, left him on the bench. Not really. That wasn't really expected. That that, that Marius Wolf. Would get uh, into the starting eleven right away against. For the, I don't think many expected that because uh, Wolf was pretty much non-existent during preseason. Certainly uh, not me. I didn't expect yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't. So, so I mean, many expected that you know Pulisic uh, and Royce on the wings and uh, Philip up front, but Philip was on the bench and and Wolf suddenly played. Not even Sancho, but Wolf. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, he was really pretty much out of the picture, right? um, but now he's back in and he didn't even play that bad. Uh, so, well, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean uh, two late goals. Uh, what can you say? I don't know. I mean, just was it was a little bit of luck, a little bit of, of skill, um, both equally involved, uh, especially in the, in the first goal um, Dortmund scored. So. Um, yeah, sometimes you need a little bit of luck, I guess, in these matches. I mean, Bayern beat the f- uh, fourth division side 1-0 um, the other day, so it's not like Dortmund was the only team struggling. I mean, Leverkusen didn't look that good. Um, Schalke as well. Frankfurt and Stuttgart were knocked out. So if, if Leipzig was trailing at halftime against the fourth division side, well, I mean, when you go through the through the list of uh, the um, more ambitious Bundesliga sides, you can pretty much say that Dortmund was just one of many um, that struggled. Um, also, maybe caused by the fact that these other teams are already in their season. You know, they they are playing; they have a playing ribbon, uh, while the Bundesliga teams aren't. They 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 just yeah, you know, they will this week and start their season basically. So sometimes that's. To the disadvantage of uh, the Bundesliga side. Well, but that's the magic of the first round in the cup that the amateur teams uh, have played a couple more games. Well, no, in the, in the past few years, because uh, five or six, seven years ago, it was not the case. The first round of the uh, German Cup was after the first or second uh, match day of the Bundesliga. So that has changed. That the that the first round. Uh, of the German Cup is before the first match day of the Bundesliga. That wasn't the case uh, always um, back in the day. It wasn't. So yeah, that, that's true. Nevertheless, I think it's it's a good prelude. 
Um, I was actually a little bit irked by uh, Favre's statement or assessment in the uh, uh, Sportbild interview, um, basically saying that he sees Mario Götz uh, as like a false nine, um, like that's his his best position. I would actually pretty much agree with that assessment. Um, you also didn't sound too happy with that sort of implementation of Mario Götz. So do you think that uh, um, it can get tricky for him? Going forward, if, if uh, Favre sticks to that belief? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because Mario Götz isn't really uh, an, a false nine or something. He's he's uh, pretty much a textbook playmaker. Um, what, what uh, you know, in, in Spielverlagung, we often call him the, uh, what do we, the fixer, um, basically, because he's someone who uh, notices issues and fixes fixes them uh, immediately. So he's someone who makes his teammates look better, um, but he can pretty much do that when he's playing as a number 10, number 8, something in midfield. Um, that's He's not quick enough. He doesn't have the um, pretty much the speed and explosivity to, to play on the, on, 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 as a winger, uh, but he can play in center midfield, or he should play in center midfield. As a number 9, he's he can play that, but his best matches weren't when he played as a number nine. Uh, neither at Bayern nor at uh, a German national team. I mean, remember World Cup uh, in 2014? Um, he played as a number nine here and there. Um, I mean, it worked, but it didn't work that well. Uh, probably most for have forgotten that he didn't play that well at the World Cup because he scored the last goal in traumatic fashion. But um, yeah, that's of course um, overall. I mean, he's he's much more suited to a number eight role. That's that's why I like what Favre did uh, during preseason when he and Dahoud played uh, in attacking midfield because Dahoud is a bit more of the of the box to box type of guy, while Guts is more a little bit of the of the attacking playmaker. Um, and usually, when you got two attacking midfielders in a four three three, you have these uh, different kind of roles, so they can. Uh, basically split uh, what's, uh, what the challenges you have to um, get through in midfield. And, you know, Dahoud picks up the ball a little bit earlier and gets us a little higher, higher up and, uh, you know, interacts with someone like Pulisic or someone like Royce um, and supports one one of the wingers and the fullback when, when one of the fullbacks is advancing. So usually that works quite well. Um, you know, same at Bayern right now. Bayern plays four-three-three. Martinez is the holding midfielder. Thiago plays deeper, picks up the ball early on, um, plays a few verticals. Uh, while Müller is the is the higher number eight, and you know, is, is interacting with Robben on the right side, with Kimmich on the right side. Uh, that textbook four-three-three. Um, but Farfa um, apparently decided to throw it out of window and do something else. Um, we will, I mean, we will discuss the Leipzig match. So we will see what he what he's uh, coming up with uh, against Leipzig. Maybe he goes back to what he does, uh, what he did during preseason, um, or maybe not. I don't know. And or, of course, and then there's the question uh, whether uh, a new another center forward will arrive soon. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can talk about Paco Alcacer uh, in in a bit, maybe even after the uh, Leipzig preview, just to have this uh, awesome cliffhanger. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, Favre doesn't get tired of uh, underscoring that uh, he still has to learn how his players behave and that uh, yeah, he is 
not quite there yet in, in knowing every little aspect about his squad at his disposal, especially because a lot of players just arrived really late. Um, not Götze, of course, um, but um, yeah, also interesting to see, um, this, as you said, that uh, Wolf started. Uh, I think the argument for Favre was that he was one of the players that played the full preseason and uh, sort of uh, yeah had the most experience and uh, time to to indulge in, in Favre's way of thinking I guess so maybe that that was the point and um, of course uh, what I wanted to discuss with you is uh, the synergies in, in midfield and especially with the uh, Dahoud and uh, Delaney starting um, how did you see that partnership working out I thought Dahoud had a very good game uh as as far as you say if he, if he has like three touches in a sequence of three touches he has like two really really good ones or so a, a good idea and like the finishing touch then sort of sucks and everything falls apart but uh, you can see um that i think he's on on the right path as you also said in in, in the previous show but uh, you know he lacks end product and uh, thomas eleni had really good moments, but also looked a little lost at times. So I wonder how, how you thought that the partnership really worked out before we uh, move over to talk about uh, Axel Witz's cameo. Well, the partnership maybe suffered a bit from the fact that um, Dortmund right now, they are playing with two, basically with two center midfielders, two center backs and two um, pretty passive fullbacks in build-up. So they have six players um, position deep. So, and they have a lot of deep possession. Um, so, I mean, it looks okay uh, w w when they have the ball in their own half, um, but with only four players left up front, um, it, it's it's pretty difficult for them to get or get downfield through the middle. So, usually they, they pass the ball around a little bit and then it goes to one of the fullbacks and then the fullback has to go, has to move forward or the ball goes directly to one of the wingers. Um, and I think in, in that setup, um, you can't really look that good as a, as a holding midfielder, as a center midfielder. Um, cause you don't really do anything. Um, if you just stick to, you know, being, uh, pretty passive and, and being pretty protective of the ball, uh, meaning that you don't want to c commit any turnovers. Uh, if you then just like the hood, um, if you then start some tribbles and try to break through the middle, um, then it might turn out well or it might uh, go badly. And um, in, in some cases, in the hood or in the hood's uh, case, it, it sometimes it turned out badly. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I don't think it's it's really um, it, it, the system didn't really help the hood. And as for the Laney. Um, I don't really expect much more than what he showed against Furt. It wasn't really his match or it wasn't really his opponent, his kind of opponent, uh, because De uh, Delaney is much more valuable when Dortmund is playing uh, a strong side, a more attacking side, a uh, much more threatening side when he can block some attacks, when he can um, intercept the ball, when he can make a few tackles, when he can get physical. Uh, when he can interrupt plays, that's when he can shine. Uh, against Fürth, it wasn't really the case. There, just Dortmund was dominant, as dominant as it is basically possible. Um, so that's not the Hoots, uh, Delaney's match. Sorry. Um, I, I even think that uh, Axel Witzel is the far better 
a center midfielder against this, uh, against such a side because he's a bit more of a box to box type of guy and also a bit more attacking, uh, or a bit more provoking. Um, same with Weigel. So yeah, I, I guess, uh, it wasn't really, um, Delaney's kind of opponent. Um, and for Tahoud, I mean, it's, you can't really look good against a, a, such an opponent as the deep lying playmaker. That's just, uh, especially in that kind of setup. And, um, yeah, and he tried a few things because that's that's also the difference between someone like Tahoud and let's say someone like Tony Cross. So Tony Cross, uh, what he does is he's sticking to what what he usually does is you know playing out of the, uh, out of the uh, backfield, basically just you know playing pass after pass after pass. Uh, while Tahoud isn't really satisfied by that, and then he tries some triples. So he, he's just he's not just um, a passing player he just also he tries things out a few other things out and uh, that's when he might commit a few mistakes um and that's that's when then turn uh, fans turn on him again because they think he he did he didn't do well i mean i guess uh he could just i mean the alternative would be that uh, dahoo just um, you know, does nothing and just you know passes the ball laterally and uh or even backwards and just you know doesn't commit any mistakes, but doesn't do any anything to get maybe through the um, opposing midfield line and break through and then maybe create a few chances. I mean, he wouldn't. Yeah, his his, his passing accuracy would at would be at one hundred percent, but uh, that's not really what he wants to do. You know, I mean, a player like that who doesn't really care about his 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 stats in terms of you know, how many mistakes he has committed. He he cares about how many. Uh, chances he he has created, or at, at least he was involved in the creation of these chances. Um, so that's that's kind of the difference. Um, I also would actually add to that that uh, Dahoud can also afford not not every time, but uh, most of the time to play that way because, uh, as you said, the uh, fullbacks are a little bit more passive; they are not as adventurous. Uh, Delaney or Witzel or whoever, they are also always there to, to offer protection. Even Götze can fall back or, uh, you know, Marius Wolf, uh, also very defensive minded. So I guess when, when push comes to shove, um, for Dahoud and he, uh, messes up in, in midfield, <laughs> then, uh, Dortmund have far more cover now than they had last season. So, um, it's obviously never ideal, especially in the Bundesliga where you meet a lot of sides that, uh, I specialize in transitioning and, um, you know, making these uh, winnings in midfield count. However, um, you know, I think fans can be a little less afraid when it happens to Dahoud. Um, yeah, he's no navigator quite yet in, in terms of uh, dribbling through midfield. But, um, yeah, he's on, on a good way, I guess. And uh, also, I think we need to reprimand the fullbacks in this game. Uh, Schmelzer and especially Piszczek, I thought, didn't really make the best of figures in, in this game. And uh, Master Schmelzer, of course, missed uh, Thursday's training, uh, team training because uh, of uh, muscle problems. So he was training individually. So, uh, you know, after 120 minutes already starting there. And, uh, of course, Schmelzer could have uh, made this game a much easier one for Dortmund. Uh, also, Royce and other culprits of uh, missing and squandering a couple of chances. But um, yeah, uh, enough on, on, on fullbacks. I think we'll uh, ponder on them much more this season. Um, a little shout out to Akanji and Diallo, who I thought had a quite good game um, for the uh, goal in the 70, 77th minute. I think uh, 
we have to shift the blame a little bit on uh, Mr. Schmelzer, who didn't prevent the cross. And of course, Dahoud, who didn't track back as well as he should have. But um, yeah, it was the one mistake. It's not like Dortmund allowed a barrage of chances for Fürth. So um, yeah, overall, not all that bad. And then, of course, um, the introduction of Axel Witzel, which I thought uh, was really interesting because it uh, really uh, reinvigorated Dortmund's play. And uh, it was quite fascinating to see how dominant he was right away and uh, had so many passes. And, uh, of course, he scored that goal. But um, if if you look at his stats uh, per 90 minutes, if you would, like... Um, make the math I, I think he would have completed like 120 passes in 90 minutes and attempted 125 his passing accuracy was I think 95% so that was uh, pretty impressive too and uh, it allowed Dortmund to have structure and even while trailing they didn't really panic and uh, yeah tried their best I guess although there was this one shot from I think Marius Wolf that I didn't understand but uh, nevertheless overall um, yeah you could already see quite well that he can assume a very dominant position in Dortmund's midfield uh, would you agree with me there Konstantin that uh, Witzel um, yeah certainly was impressive in, in many aspects in that game oh yeah uh, it seems time to shine right away um, I guess because what I, what I already mentioned is that uh, compared to Delaney he is much more aggressive uh, uh offensively so and he can be a much more box-to-box -box type of guy if he wants to if he's forced to and our matches he won't be I mean when you when you watched Belgium at the World Cup he wasn't he was more the the, the guy behind De Bruyne um behind Hazard um because that was what, what was what his task was you know just protecting them uh, in that match, he came on. He knew, uh, all right, we have to score a goal. Or uh, I mean, he came on before uh, Dortmund conceded, but I mean, it was you know, a few minutes before that, and then he knew, all right, uh, it's time to score one, and he was capable of uh, pushing the team forward. Um, of course, yeah. I mean, that he has the quality to uh, be a dis or a deciding player, um, a difference maker. I mean, I don't think that many disputed that right away when he was signed i mean um he has proven over and over again in the past that he can be uh, a difference maker um and there is not an argument against it uh, unless you say that because he played for Zenit or benfica um that that doesn't count so but i don't know what to tell you um dortmund played third so it's not like a guy who played for Zenit in the champions league is, is like intimidated by um third and 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 also the guy won't be intimidated by playing Leipzig uh, on Sunday or something like that. I mean, um, that's just not really an argument um, because it's not like the Bundesliga or German football is uh, ten feet uh, above every, everyone else, everything else. So, well, yeah, I know what yeah. what else to tell you about uh, Axel Witzel. I, mean, no, I I'm just interested okay. in what uh, Farfrey is going to do with all the midfielders he has now and with uh, what he's <laughs> going to do with uh, Götze yeah, and, I, I, with, we all uh, Mitchell and also with Weigel uh, when Weigel comes back. Yeah, it's it's such a shame that uh, Julian Weigel um, has been injured uh, for so long in the preseason that he uh, always had these uh, ailings. And otherwise, uh, it would be far more interesting how, how uh, the midfield right now would look like. And um, 
yeah, what kind of plans Favre actually has for Weigel? Um, Favre said, I don't know if it, no, it wasn't today, it was the press conference before the third game where he basically said that that uh, Weigel is a, can also play on a number eight position in like a double six or double eight. So um, that's an interesting idea as well. Um, so we'll see how that turns out for Weigel uh, and Favreau, of course. Um, but yeah, I guess um, there's not too many things to say about uh, Dortmund's uh, game against Fürth other than that, yes, they have shown mentality, they were defensively solid and they created a healthy amount of chances and, of course, uh, didn't score all of them. Um, people that now shout for a striker, um, while I agree, I would also say that A, um, Dortmund have squandered a lot of chances with a striker and B, Marco Royce is often also quite ruthless and scores that first goal. So, um, yeah, no need to hammer on him. Also, he scored a goal in the end and also had an assist for Witzel, so uh, not bad. And, of course, a special shout-out to Roman Bürki, who uh, kept Dortmund alive, I think, once or twice uh, in, in extra time and in a time after Dortmund conceded. So, yeah, that's that. So, I guess time to focus on that game against Leipzig. Um Konstantin, did you watch that scoreless draw against uh, Soya Luhansk on uh, Thursday night when uh, yeah, Leipzig played with uh, one man more for, I think, 75 minutes but just couldn't break down the Ukraine side? And with asking that also, how do you think uh, Leipzig are going are doing right now having already played six competitive games? Yeah, so against Luhansk, uh, I mean, they were one man up for uh, over 70 minutes, I think, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, and it was a pre pretty one-sided match, but that doesn't play, uh, it, or that doesn't go in, in favor of Leipzig because they are, they are much more better or they can much more shine um, if they are able to force turnovers to get into transition attacks. Um, but against Luhansk right away, and then especially after the red card, um, they had so much ball possession and just were forced to play out of the back all the time. You know, minute after minute they had to. Um, so yeah, it wasn't really their match actually. Um, Rangnick mixed a few things up. Um, he he did go from a four four two 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 or four two. Two, two, uh, to a 4-3-3. Um, he played Limer and Demme in attacking midfield, which tells you something. I, I will come to, to that point, uh, in, in a minute again. Um, he played with three attackers up front. Um, yeah, you saw that it wasn't there, the system they usually play. So it was much more mechanical. Um, and yeah, uh, that was really showing and, um, they had a few chances, but it wasn't really that, that, uh, convincing after all. Um, and as for Leipzig in general, uh, because I, I don't, I don't know how, how to really assess those matches, you know, somewhere in, in Ukraine, um, on a Thursday night. Um, and as you mentioned, that was their sixth competitive match. And they already played two rounds of uh, Europa League quali uh, qualifiers and, uh, of course, one German Cup match. Um, 
and and also they played Thursday night, knowing that they will play uh, at Dortmund Sunday afternoon. So um, that's also something you have to uh, take into account uh, because Rangnick, I think he tried to um, change the starting level a little bit to give some players rest and are uh, throw some hours in there and yeah you know, try something out. Um, so as for Leipzig in general, I think they did quite well in the transfer market during the summer. Um, they, they signed Nordi Mukile, uh, actually, um, player Dortmund was interested in reportedly. Um, he's came from Montpellier, uh, is, is, was a right back at Montpellier, but now also plays as a center back, uh, which is interesting because he's basically replacing Willy Orban, who, who is still the captain of Leipzig, but, um, it's not really up their quality wise, uh, wise, I think they they wanted another uh, center back uh, next to Upamecano, who is of course a tremendous talent, uh, still 19 years old, uh, one of the fastest center backs in Europe. Um, so Mukile and and Upamecano, that's quite the athletic uh, center back pairing. Um, they, they, they that's why they play Limer as a right back off uh, quite quite repeatedly now. Um, they signed Marcelo Saraki. Uh, as uh, um, from Uruguay, but um, as a left back. So because Halstenberg is injured, so they really addressed the some of the issues they had last season, uh, meaning the the fullback positions um, or the back the back four in general. Um, they they also signed Mat- Mateusz Kuna, who, who played against uh, against Luhans. Uh, I mean, Kuna came for what was a transfer fee of fifteen million or so from Sion. Um, Pretty young um, Portuguese player. Um, no, is it, is he Brazil or Portuguese? I I forgot. Um, what position he, does he play? Uh, yeah, he's he's a Brazil. Uh, uh, he's he's uh, yeah, basically a right winger or could could play as a center forward, um, something like that. This is basically a, a rounder for for the uh, attacking positions. So um, they sign him. So they really addressed a few a few uh, issues from last season. What they didn't do is replacing Nabi Keita. Yeah, that um, was going to be my next question. Right. They, they didn't replace Nabi Keita. Um, that's why they played with Demme and Laimer as the two attacking midfielders against Luhans. That's why they probably play with Demme and Ilsanka, two uh, defensive midfielders against Dortmund um, in their midfield. So they, they don't really have the playmaker they had last season. And that's that's an issue. Um, Kampel, who came in um, last season, uh, you know, Many Dortmund fans know him from his time at Dortmund. Um, he's more of an, an a box-to-box player, dynamic player, not really a playmaker. Um, he's someone who plays before or next to someone like Keita. Um, because Keita was often another one. He played uh, with Kampel in midfield. He was the, the deep-lying playmaker. Um, and, and Kampel was the more provoking one who's going forward and forcing um, duels and trying to... Um, you know, force interceptions and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, they don't really have an, a replacement for Keita. And that's interesting because, um, the, the physical style, uh, Hasen Hittel, um, preferred the f- past few seasons. I think, um, Rangnick will go, f- will move on and basically, um, 
do the same, you know, f- really stick to that physical style. Um, and now with two more defensive midfielders, more physical midfielders and not Nabi Keita in there. Um, I mean, he has to do that, uh, basically. And it's interesting because when Nagelsmann will come in next season, uh, not to go off the rails, uh, too much, but if he go, goes, uh, if he comes in next season, he will change the style because Nagelsmann is, is, is a more possession based, uh, type of coach. Yes. Also play pressing, counter pressing styles uh, as as a youth coach at Hoffenheim, but I think he will um, put much more worth into possession football and and what to do, what to do in build up. Um, and Wagner right now, he's just yeah you know, playing the style Hasenhüttl played last season and probably uh, even, even more so um, with uh, the midfield situation as I explained. So, so I was actually under the impression that Hasenhüttl was let go because uh, he failed to implement more of a possession-based element to Leipzig's game, and it was like too one-sided or, or too one-dimensional. And now I hear from you that Rangnick is basically doing the same thing and there's uh, not much of a plan for possession football right now. Does this add up or did just Rangnick fancy a year as Leipzig manager or what was going on? Um, I, I, I don't, uh, Well... I don't know. Um, well, let, let's put it that way. Uh, Rangnick is a pressing coach. I mean, he, he prefers that style, um, that, yeah, Wolver- that, that, that we all know. He's like Mr. Professor and he was like the first one to introduce that to the Bundesliga, I guess. And the first one to imp- introduce like a modern back four, if I'm not mistaken. Well, um, yeah, that's that. Yeah. Um, that's maybe, maybe a myth, whatever. Um, besides the point, but, um, I always thought that like one of the main criticisms for Hasenhüttl was actually, as I already said, a lack of possession play. So bringing in Nagelsmann in that regard makes really a lot of sense. But Rangnick, on the other hand, is basically just the same, right? Yeah, and sure. Hasenhüttl. I mean, I mean, it, it just put, I mean, just you know, Rangnick is a pressing coach. Period. So <clears throat> he. Um, he had Roger Schmidt as his coach at, at Salzburg. He, he, uh, signed Hasenhüttl. He's, <clears throat> he signed Zorniger when Zorniger was, uh, the live, uh, when Zorniger coached Leipzig in the second Bundesliga. All pressing coaches. I mean, that's just, Rangnick is a pressing coach and he wants that style. That's why actually the uh, signing of Nagelsmann is a bit, is a bit uh, strange to me and to many people, uh, knowing the situation because Nagelsmann will, uh, play a different style and it will be interesting to see how Rangnick then reacts or how, how Rangnick, um, yeah, what Rangnick will do because Rangnick is the, is the, uh, decision maker at Leipzig. He's the guy who makes all the decisions. Um, so it will be interesting what, uh, how Nagelsmann can deal with, with Rangnick because Rangnick wants pres- uh, pressing football. That's what he wants. He wants intensity and he wants pressing counter pressing turnovers and and transition attacks um that's why he signed all order that's why he had all these coaches in the in, in the past 5 or 6 or 7 years um that's what you know Roger Schmidt Hasenhüttl Zorniger and himself um because yeah, back in the second bundesliga he coached leipzig when they were promoted that was also a running season um after Zorniger before they they signed Hasenhüttl and Hasenhüttl moved on and did basically the same. I mean, he, he tweaking a few things here and there. Of course, every coach does that. That's that's normal. Uh, but it, you know, it's uh, I I actually think that uh, what what Hasenhüttl um caused him to lose his job is that um at the end um they didn't really have a style at all and um he he didn't uh. 
well, how to put it? I mean, Leipzig was just suffering from from a, a few things. Um, they weren't really up there in, in in terms of stamina at the end of the season. They were really suffering. I mean, when you play such an int- intense style. Um, well, he he is a very hot take and, and like a very bold prediction. They will run out of steam at the end of the season too, especially if they play Euroleague with the squad they have. I just don't think, you know, they they have what it takes to not be at, at like a very low fuel at the end of the season either. I just don't see it. That, that could happen. Maybe the, the squad is a bit deeper this season and it also uh, comes down to how they are prepared um, during the summer because you can manage a few things there but you already said that they had a very sketchy preseason so i really had that i i mean what what you can see is uh that if they can't uh, or let's 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 go back to the german cup match um they were trailing against uh victoria cologne um at halftime right um and when it came out of the dressing room it was actually pretty funny to watch the second uh, 45 minutes because what they did was they were just running over Cologne. Um, it wasn't really football what they did. is was more like American football. And they were just running over them because um, like guys like Paulsen and Forsberg, they weren't really like outplaying them. They were just outmuscling them. They were just, you know, shoving them away and, and just muscling their way through uh, so they could score the two or three goals they needed to, to get through. Um, of course, against a few uh, against other teams, that won't be, uh, especially in the Bundesliga, won't be possible because you can't uh, push them around as, as much as a third division side. Uh, but still, I think uh, in, in a couple of matches this season, you will see Leipzig just just running over teams uh, because the guys they, 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 that now came in with uh, Mukile and um, especially Mukida, Saraki, not so much, uh, Kunja, and also if, if the other guys are fit, uh, you got Kampel and, and Puma, Forsberg, Sabitzer, Paulsen, Augustin, Werner, they are all athletically, that's top notch. Like, you, you, that can't get any better. I got someone like Klosterman, who's basically, uh, uh, track and field runner, um, as, 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 as your right back. Uh, you got Upamikanu, who's Pretty much faster than every uh, set of forward you can find in the Bundesliga or in Europe, um, and you got someone like Werner who's just also faster than anyone else, um, or Paulsen who just you know pushes people away. So it's it's interesting to see how how that team will do against uh, a few of the mid table and and uh, relegation sides uh, in the Bundesliga because if they are like at one hundred percent, I think they will just outmuscle a lot of teams, and that's usually uh, something you don't see anymore in modern day football. But uh, because running is pretty much obsessed with uh, how fast are players, how um, strong are they, uh, you know, what they can do athletically. Um, it's it's actually interesting to to watch the team this season. Um, of course, when Nagelsmann uh, then arrives next summer, uh, things will probably change a bit. Uh, but I mean, there's not one coach in the world who d- doesn't want to have athletic players. I mean, it always helps you <laughs> to have athletic players. Um, I mean, Dortmund is also uh, a good example because uh, I mean, all, all these quick agile players and uh, in, in the attacking department, uh, I don't I don't think far from. Uh, or father doesn't mind to have them. Well, certainly having the explosiveness of a Christian Pulisic who can accelerate like within one meter and skip past opponents, that's really a quality you really want to have. And uh, Dortmund obviously um, balls it up uh, in 
like every every uh, aspect of of the field besides of course the striker position i think every signing they made is uh, over one meter 80 so um that really shows you that they also uh, want to have a little bit more physique i think Marius wolf delaney witzel uh, or diallo they're all players that have a very physical component so it's going to be really interesting to see how um this match on on sunday pans out because Dortmund have struggled so far in preseason. I mean, they didn't meet too many teams that played actual high press, but uh, Napoli did, I think, and Stad ran as well, and Dortmund struggled with that. So the question is, can they do a better job this time? Can Dortmund retain the ball with, uh, as you call it, low possession, um, or, or rather deep possession very deep in their own field that basically uh, says it a little better whether their short passing is crisp enough to evade Leipzig's pressing whether they sort of manage to tire Leipzig out because as much as I think that Leipzig have the edge in uh, match fitness and rhythm I think the trip to the Ukraine on Thursday and coming home late on Friday or whatever or Friday afternoon will always be straining so I really do wonder how that game will pan out. Um, before I give my own two cents, um, Constantine, how, how do you actually see Favre setting up for this game, formation-wise? And also, um, do you think Dortmund will have a very careful approach? Will they try to keep the ball very low and, and away from Leipzig? Or do, do you think they will um yeah come out all guns blazing and uh, try to counter press a pressing team i think they will do the same they did against uh third and against any other team in the preseason i mean Fofa hasn't changed anything strategically so i don't i don't see that happening against leipzig um they will they will have the ball most of the time and it will be about how can the um you know not commit turnovers or not too many turnovers and uh, could can they score um, it's, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see anything, anything else uh, than that. And it's basically a match Dortmund might lose, uh, after all. I mean, that's, that's not, uh, impossible. Um, it's, I can imagine them losing that. Um, although I, I don't think that, uh, Leipzig is right now as threatening in, in, in pressing and counter pressing as they were maybe two years ago or so, uh, when they were, when they were beating, uh, Dortmund. So, um, yeah, after all, I mean, I, I guess it it might be a close match, but um, Dortmund might win it after all. I would say from all the uh, opponents Leipzig has faced so far, Dortmund might actually be the more most comfortable for them, because you know Dortmund are very um, deliberate in their build up, and they really try to keep the ball on the ground and then try to find uh, solutions while not lumping the ball up front, just because also they don't have a target man. So what what's the other option? Uh, I think in the one friendly against Liverpool, they have experimented with a lot of uh, diagonal balls, and that I thought worked out actually pretty well. So maybe that's uh, a measure you uh, would also take against Leipzig that you try to uh, yeah find the, the fullback or so high up the field or another midfielder and evade pressing that way but um, yeah usually against high pressing teams the, the easiest measure is to just play a long ball over their pressing and then try to, to pin it down somewhere with a tall striker so 
or, or flick on um, when Dortmund was a pressing team that was a very successful thing other teams did to them so um, yeah but that weapon I don't think Dortmund uh, have right now so with that I see Leipzig might that they might have an advantage simply because Dortmund uh, try to build it up slow from the back and uh, yeah, they make mistakes, especially with Piszczek and Schmelz not being the most press-resistant players. And uh, there you go, one nothing Leipzig or so. And uh, as we see, or as we saw against Fürth, Dortmund don't have too many recipes just yet to build up against a team that like sits back and, and waits to pounce on the transition. So, um, yeah, for Dortmund, it's probably not going to be all that healthy to, to trail this game. So I wonder if they uh, try to keep it scoreless as long as possible and then, uh, yeah, poke one home with Marco Royce or whoever up front. I I honestly don't think that Maximilian Philipp will start in this game if he did start against Fürth. Do you think that there will be any significant changes to the lineup? I mean, Marius Wolf picked up an injury on, on Thursday. It's not bad, bad. He just twisted his ankle, but uh, I don't. I don't know if he can start. Um, do you think that uh, Favre will mix it up a little bit? Maybe bench Götze or whatever. Yeah, I could see him benching Götze and maybe benching Dahoud. So uh, maybe, uh, or maybe maybe benching Delaney and get me uh, bring in Witzel right away. Um, so I don't know. It's just uh, it's hard to predict what uh, Favre um, does. Um, in terms of personnel, um, I guess it's a good thing <laughs> because I don't know. Um, I mean, it was a bit weird because um, he did he did something in preseason or uh, throughout the preseason. He had basically pitted down his lineup um, just with you know Sancho on the left side, and then of course Sancho uh, has uh, has to step aside and uh, Royce comes in. That's obviously, I mean, yeah, right. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I thought he had his starting eleven. Um, and then he changed it again. Um, and I mean, all right, <laughs> I guess. Um, I still see, don't see Marius Wolf really, really being that available for the team. I mean, I have to be honest here. Just, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, he's too limited. Um, he can shine a few matches when he gets ugly. All right. Um, cool. Yeah, but, but this uh, might be a game where it gets ugly, actually. So maybe yeah, this but is but one but then the but games. then he he won't he won't shine against Saraki. So I mean, trust me, Saraki is is uh, worlds above someone like Morris Wolf. Um, so I I I don't I don't see it um, basically. And um, if if it's Philip or if it's uh, Royce in the middle, I mean, I guess it would be even uh, it would be smarter to to field Philip uh, in the center forward position because the guy who plays. Between Basically, between uh, Mukila and Upamecano is also uh, it's just uh, yeah uh, wasted to some extent. So it, it might be better to waste someone like uh, Philip a bit and and uh, give Warriors more space in midfield um, because I, f I think Warriors could do better against uh, Demme and Ilsanker and and give uh, Philip the chance to play a few layoffs um, and do some, you know. Um, because I mean, Warriors isn't fast enough to outpace Upamecano and Mukila, um, so why wasting him up front? Um, and getting him in, in situations in one on ones with Demo or Isangar would be much more promising for Dortmund. Um, so I would probably do that. Um, yeah. So I guess because there's not another uh, center forward they have right now. 
All right. Yeah, I, I guess uh, those last words are the perfect transition away uh, from from the game uh, over to Paco Alcacer. But not before uh, you and I do the predictions. Uh, how do you think that game pans out? Uh, two one Dortmund. Okay, I think it's going to be a draw, one one. Um, <coughs> so yeah, Paco Alcacer, you already wrote something for who? T online. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, what, what did you write? I didn't get the chance to read it yet. That's, uh, of course, uh, a tragedy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a very busy man. What do you want? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, what did I write? I mean, it, 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 it's interesting. So, the, the entire center forward situation at Dublin. So, I mean, they, after it was clear that Dublin might need another center forward, uh, to really go through the season, uh, I mean, there were a lot of people calling for a physical one, you know, Mario Manchukic type of guy, or um, uh, someone who can win aerials, who is uh, physically intimidating to some extent. And what Dortmund probably does, I mean, it's not safe. It's, you know, 85% or something. Uh, it's not safe. Nothing is signed. Um, what, what they probably do is they sign another small center forward in Paco Alcacer. Because Akazia is, 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 you know, shorter than Philip or Royce, uh, just saying. Uh, he's, he's also just like Kevin Gamero, uh, who there was reported interest, uh, you know, from Dortmund in, uh, Kevin Gamero a few weeks ago. And just like Gamero, uh, Paco Akazia is more of a small ball center forward. I mean, he can, he, he has scored a few header goals, um, with the right timing and, you know, getting, uh, getting separation from the defenders. I mean, of course he can score a header. Why not? Um, but, he is a small ball center forward and pretty agile. Uh, when he played for Valencia, his breakthrough season was probably, uh, yeah, his breakthrough time was around 2014, 15, 16 before he signed for, um, before he signed for, um, uh, for Barcelona. Sorry. Um, I was just distracted for a second. Um, before, before he signed for that, he, he scored a lot of goals uh, for Valencia. Um, his hometown club, basically. So what, uh, back then at Valencia, he mostly scored after transition attacks. You know, Valencia won the ball somewhere around the halfway line and, and it was Alcacer's time, um, to either get the transition attack going or be the guy at the end of the attack and then score on the goal. You know, I mean, he's pretty, Smart when it comes to, um, how to make runs off the ball, you know, how to run these routes, um, how to get separation from the defenders. So that's what he can, he can do. Uh, when he arrived at Barcelona, I mean, he, he was pretty much doomed from the, from the minute he signed there because they had Luis Suarez and uh, Suarez, you know, is just the, their first string set of forward. So there wasn't really, um, a spot for Alcacer in the middle. Uh, of their four-three-three, so he played as a left winger. Uh, in, in, in the in the few matches he played, actually, um, so he was much more involved in combination plays and played one-twos with uh, Suarez and Messi. What he really showed uh, at Barcelona is that he can play accurate passes and can play accurate layoffs in you know small spaces under pressure. Uh, so it's not like he's only a poacher and only a goal scorer. He can do much more than that. No, he, um, he actually has, like, statistics-wise, uh, you know, in terms of uh, assists and key passes, he's performing really, really well for strikers. So, you know, to to add to your argument. That, yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's not just a poacher or something like that. 
but what when he would play for Dortmund, what we would see is that he could play as a center forward. I think he he fits into the Dortmund style of football because he's you know he is uh, more focused on combination plays on one twos on on small ball football. Uh, he's not just someone waiting up front that someone hoofs the ball right into the box. I mean that's not what he what he does because he wouldn't win a, an aerial um, there uh, because he's much shorter than all the defenders. Um, so he would be someone who can he, he's he's smart he's intelligent. Um, to get the right position, to get away from defenders, then, uh, you know, play a short layer of terrorists and stuff like that, and then maybe start making the run behind the back line or so. Uh, st- stuff like that. So he would be in, uh, you know, he would interact with Royce, with Götze, with Pulisic and Sancho and these players. Uh, but of course he is a bit more experienced and a bit, bit more intelligent than Philip when it comes to really positioning up front, positioning between defenders and front of the defenders, between the midfielder or between the defensive midfielders, between the lines, moving around there, getting the right spots, getting the right um, angles um, to shoot or to pass, and also, you know, having an awareness to what really is going on around him, where are the defenders, uh, where's, where are open spots, uh, where is something too tight to really pray through. So that's what he can do. Um, and then, of course, he can score because he can score from range and he can, he is also pretty smart in getting into the box and then getting separation and then um, getting a few yards, uh, open space to score, of course, um, because these numbers in terms of scoring are pretty, pretty great. Um, of course, he, he. I don't. I don't think he has lost two years at Barcelona. It was was disappointing for him because he only made I don't know 15, 20 matches or so for Barcelona, basically. Um, but I mean, he's twenty four years old, so there's nothing. Yeah, he he just there. looks like he's twenty nine. Yeah, um, he looks like also because he has played for Valencia <laughs> and, and was at Retafe one year uh, for uh, years. I mean, because he. C- Got in uh, into the first team of Valencia when he was eighteen, so he's he's born Valencia. Um, but yeah, that's it's, it's basically like when Mario gets a return to Borussia Dortmund. Like at, at, he's at that point of his career, a bit a bit disappointing, uh, two disappointing years. But it's not like his career is over, and now he just wants to cash in his last big check, and then he wants to go out. Uh, that's that's all what he wants to do because Akasia is also uh, pretty disappointed that. He didn't make the uh, Spanish national team. Um, yeah, yeah, right now it, it seems as though uh, Dortmund are looking uh, to get him on a one-year loan and then get like an option to buy included in that um, in that contract, uh, which should be around about like twenty-five to maybe even thirty million. We'll see. Um, I guess they're still negotiating on that. Um, in the mean, meantime, I actually found it quite interesting or uh, somewhat amusing even um, to see um, Dortmund being linked with uh, Divock Origi from uh, Liverpool or Wolfsburg or wherever at the same time as Alcacer because as you just uh, elaborated in very extensive detail, which I will just say very uh, bluntly, he is a player that anticipates very well. He's just a very intelligent player and I... I think that Divock Origi is just at the uh, very uh, end of the uh, spectrum and on the other way, uh, because I don't think... Did, did you just play, uh, call him dumb? Uh, I, 
I don't know. I just <laughs> I, I, I just don't think Origi reads the game well or is really ga- great at anticipating situations and positioning himself accordingly. And as he just said, uh, Alcacer does that very well. And I think when you watch him, and I, I did so when he was playing for Valencia, uh, I, I saw a couple of games and I, I must say that's basically the first thing you notice about him before like his, his scoring technique or whatever uh, is that he reads situations quite well and also it's not only in in an attacking sense uh you know what i also like about him is that he defends quite well um that he knows how to press like if you want to play a pressing style uh, which i don't think probably actually will um then he has a really good uh sort of angle to run at opponents and uh, if you know he also tracks back happily and and can sometimes uh break up plays there um you know sometimes it's it's quite helpful when you have a striker that's uh, not quote-unquote lazy up front and waiting for stuff to happen like uh, some uh, guy named Aubameyang for example um so yeah Alcacer could be an interesting addition um of course and also are- mo- money wise just to interrupt you for a second and uh, money wise it's not that bad of a deal because uh, what uh, Build is reporting is that uh, they Dortmund would pay 2.2 million for a one-year loan deal to, uh, to Barcelona, and the uh, the buying option would be around 20 to 25 million, so below what Barcelona paid uh, Valencia two years ago, it was 30 million euros, and and Dortmund would pay Alcacer's uh, wage this year, but only four million. So I, it's not like they are breaking bank here. No, and especially if it works out well um, and Dortmund really want this guy, if you then have an option to buy him for less than 30 million, I think that's a really good deal for them, especially for a striker, because uh, these guys are even more expensive than anyone else these days. So, um, yeah, there there you go. Um, However, there's this one question, uh, Konstantin, do you not think that Dortmund also have to think about a target man uh it was it was funny Watzke was a little bit startled today at the press conference um saying that some a bit sort of accused or, or or basically made the rule that the striker has to be like nearly two meters or so and he seemed a bit miffed about that and I thought that was like a little bit more of an implication that Dortmund are very close to signing Alcacer because he obviously is not the tallest guy uh nevertheless don't you think that Dortmund need some sort of target man up front just for uh, the sake of tactical variety because in some of the games it just helps you if you can you know shoot or, or pass a long ball up front and there's a guy that can actually you know pin it down and then play it on uh, yeah yeah it doesn't help you because statistically and historically uh, that that's not how it works I mean, I, I think a lot of people believe in that, but in 95% of the cases, just uh, playing long balls, especially when you're uh, behind the goal. So that doesn't work out. It's the same, actually, when you just uh, replace a defender or a midfielder with a second striker. That Historically, <laughs> in statistically, that doesn't work. Um, it's just That's a myth, true. a modern-day football myth. Um, and and because there is a target player, you play the ball to him and he lays it off. Um, I mean, Robert Lewandowski is a target player and he's not like two, uh, seven feet tall or something like that. Um, but, but Lewandowski or, actually is pretty good at, at uh, you know, retaining the ball between a defender and himself. You know, Agu- Aguero is a target player and he's not tall. 
he's he's around the same size uh Caceres points. Anyway, that also already answers my questions. Uh, uh, but I, I thought that's a question a lot of listeners would have, so might as well ask it. Um, I mean, if if, Do- if Dortmund really plays just long ball after long ball when they are behind, then uh, they can just stop and uh, leave the leave the field basically. Okay. Then they are out of they are they ran out of ideas, and usually that's when you are losing. <laughs> and and re- remember when uh, Dortmund, you know, uh, a few years ago when they were behind the goal or so under under club, and they were playing all these long balls. It yeah, didn't Santana work. up front. <laughs> what do you mean yeah, it didn't work? Right. Malaga, that, that's 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 also like a Sunday league strategy too. We have to get in the center back up front. Um so yeah, uh, it didn't work. I mean in, in like in thirty in thirty matches it might work once or so. That's yeah, quite that's but you, you waste you wasted twenty nine <laughs> matches, so uh, that's not how you should do it. That's like it's it's the same with cross passes, you know. You 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 score a goal every Fiftieth uh, cross, cross pass or so, um, so that that does tell you something. You waste forty nine uh, attempts. You just lose it, um, and it's the same with the all these long balls. I mean, you can, if you are desperate, do it once or so, but uh, not all the time because usually, usually, uh, what you have to also what you have to take into account is is the following. Um, usually, these days, teams. When they are when they are defending, most of the teams try to push you to the fringes of the pitch, try to push you to the rings, the the, the team that that's that's uh, in ball possession. Why? Because they want to force you to play cross pass. They want to do. They want you to do that. They want you to not get through the middle. Why? Because center backs are usually at an advantage in in uh, in the air. That's just that's just the truth. Usually, it's it's the easiest task for center backs to defend aerials. Because you just have to push a little bit, and, 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 and you know, just just uh, basically, you have to just win it. You don't have to aim, and aiming in in the air is pretty hard. The defenders have just to defend in the air, just pushing a little bit and getting the ball away from from the goal. That's yeah, why they or, or want you to play the striker cross passes. off balance because, as you just said, the striker has to aim, and that's yeah, hard. The, the striker has to aim. I mean, not, not just hitting the ball with his head or something. He has to aim. So that's why it's it's so difficult to score. Um, I mean, if you got a free header, uh, if you are un- unmarked or so, of course, the, I mean, Alcacer has, has scored a few headers, uh, in the, in the last three or four years. When he was, you know, get, getting separation, then he was unmarked, of course. I mean, that's to say, like, Royce would, wouldn't, I mean, Royce, uh, once told the story that he closes his eyes when he, when he does a header. That's basically a major mistake. But even he would score a header if he's unmarked and like, uh, you know, two yards, uh, in front of the goal. Um, I then, don't jinx it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know. Maybe he would miss it. I don't know. Um, I guess Philip would score a header from there. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if Royce would. You're right. Sad. Oh, well. Anywho, uh, <laughs> I, I guess we, we can knock it on the head here. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, oh, what what else is there to discuss? I, I think Alcacer would be a good addition. Um, I don't think... Dortmund needs a bull up front. Um, just don't see it with Favre and his idea of football. So might as well uh, try it with Alcacer. If Dortmund don't sign a striker at all, I don't think it will be the end of the world. So um, that's just my two cents. And uh, I think we'll have another podcast uh, before the transfer window ends at the uh, 31st of August. So uh, until then... Uh, yeah, we'll see how things unfold. I don't think uh, 
Akase or any other uh, striker that may arrive before Sunday would actually play against Leipzig. Uh, so, um, yeah, there's that. So thanks again for joining me, Konstantin, to ramble a bit about Borussia Dortmund. Um, can you please tell our listeners who, how to get in touch with you and where to find your work? Twitter uh, at cc underscore eckner and check out p4logon.com. Awesome. Thank you. You can uh, find me at Stefan Botsko on Twitter as well and read all my uh, written work on ESPNFC. If you want to get in touch with all of us on the Yellow World Pod, please do that via Twitter as well. At Yellow World Pod is the handle. Otherwise, you find a contact form on yellowworldpod.com. And of course, uh, all the ways to subscribe to the show there as well, which is Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening we'll be back next week with an analysis of uh, the Leipzig game and look ahead to Borussia Dortmund's Friday match in Hanover till then goodbye